Well, I feel like it's been a week, maybe three or four months since the whole since the whole open AI debacle. And we were we've been saving this up. Now, Brandon, you did a tremendous amount of uh, studying. I don't think you did any original reporting uh, in so much as <laughs> did you make some phone calls? That's right. Like Sam, kinda, Sam, kind of work, work the work the phones there. Uh, but you you've you've done a big study of this. And, and, and I want to start at the end, like like. Let's start with at the end result and let's work go back to the beginning and kind of chart out what happened. Because I don't really know what the end is. I'm confused. Like what is the current state? Okay. The current state, and again, no original reporting going here, is that uh Sam Altman and uh his other per the, the other uh, I think Brian, Brian uh yeah. Other anyway, they did reinstate it. So after, you know, it's it's a story that if you just didn't follow for an entire week, like you were on vacation, which actually many of us in the US were, but if you didn't actually read anything, it is for the most part back to where it started. The thing that is different is uh the new there's a new board of three of two new people and one existing person. And and uh it was Greg Brockman was the other key person that left with Sam. So they they sort of uh-huh. left, uh there was a revolt. They were reinstated and they ousted two people on the board. And now they've reconstituted the board with one existing person and two new people. And they are progressing as if sort of nothing happened. The relationship with Microsoft is intact. The relationship with their investors intact. They're going to do this big secondary offering. So um, it is as if it never happened to most Mm -hmm. of us. It's been memory hold except for, you know, a thousand podcasts. Right. A thousand podcasts. (laughs) And several hundred articles written, which we'll kind of go over a little bit, some of the stuff that was uh, uh, as, we, as we kind of work backwards. But um, maybe and going forward, I guess the question, the big question is just what does the new board do? Are there any changes that they ultimately make? But at, at the moment, it seems like not much is going to change as far as the leadership goes. Now, of course, <laughs> as we've learned with this story, at any moment, anything can happen. But it seems pretty steady state at this moment. All right, all right. So, so let's let's go back to the beginning then. Like, just you know, it's it's good to kind of go over the details, especially from a new perspective. So we got like, uh, you know, everyone knows that AI is going to take over the world. You got you got these people freaking out about whatever safety and alignment is, and that's all due to uh, this Chat GPT thing, right? To Open AI, this organization doing stuff, and that's what this whole big kerfuffle was. But like, so what? Like, let's pick up the plot. I don't know. A month or so ago or, or something like that like how how does this start where you get this weird week-long thing where like all of a sudden there's a a board coup and it gets routed and then everything's back to normal seems yeah like. and so i thought the way maybe we could take a look at this is sort of like why at least for myself like why is this story so interesting like why is it because there's lots of tech stories that come and go that are kind of boring and things like that and i also think like why did it drive so many podcasts and so much news and i think you know, the reason I think it is, is that it takes the shape of like a hero's journey kind of story, right? So like anyone that's familiar with Star Wars, Dune, many other, you know, shows, it's, it's sort of like you normally have this initial person that is sort of like the chosen one, right? Mm. And they are thrust into this situation. And I think this story is awesome because you can kind of read it that way. And I think if we start at the beginning and the way the simplest telling of the story is, you know, Sam Altman is the chosen one. Right. He has sort of figured out uh, and, and assembled the team for AI and they're building AI. 
But then suddenly, sort of out of nowhere, right, he is deposed by this secretive group. And there's many, again, you know, it's like you can call that like uh, the empire or any other like bureaucratic entity that's against him, right? And they've deposed him out of nowhere. And I think immediately it just sets up this narrative structure that sort of journalists and anyone that's interested in it are just drawn to it, right? And then, of course, I think, you know, the MacGuffin, right, which is always what they kind of recall, call in, you know, the, the world is sort of like what drives all of this. Yeah. And often like a MacGuffin is just doesn't have to be anything. It can just be like the secret. Well, it, it, that's that's or, the point of the MacGuffin. It's it's never revealed. Like, yeah, like and it's like fiction, course, it's you know, like, they open the, the briefcase and it's, you know, it's and you're, gold it's glows nothing, coming right? out of it, but you never know what's in it. That's the but MacGuffin. It drives the entire plot. It's like this oh, thing absolutely. that is sort of like not really well defined. And I think in this case, the MacGuffin, is autonomous generative intelligence agi it's just like who knows if we have it well not sure when we're gonna get it could be bad could kill us all could save us all but really there isn't that much reporting around what it is how close it is because it's all very complicated so we just say agi that's our MacGuffin, and that's driving our hero behavior and that's sort of like where the story starts is sam is ousted right Now, I think that is the simplest telling of the story, right? But I think there's an alternate version, which is like what I like. Any type of science fiction, thriller movie, you kind of have the alternative version of it, which is actually Sam Altman is the evil person, right? He's the capitalist that is disregarding any safety and driving us into peril. And the the hero is uh, Ilya Sutskever, who is the third person on the board that was the swing vote to Al Sam. And he sort of takes on the classic, like kind of nerdy scientist, inventor, protector of the technology, right? He's sort of like the guy that had created the technology and must protect us all. And he voted essentially Sam off the board. And then all reporting is that they just invited Sam onto a meeting, you know, without any warning. Uh, Ilya read a short statement and he was just out right? Just out of the company, which in itself is kind of amazing. Just a company at this level that would just dismiss someone that way. So that's sort of like, to me, that's like act one of this entire story. And the thing that's probably most interesting about it and the way I think it kind of follows this kind of this hero's journey is that like, you really can't identify why he was actually ousted, right? There were so many reasons and non-reasons given. It was sort of like, well, there's some safety concerns, but there, those were just broad generalizations. Then there was this belief that like they um, discovered AGI, but then that was dismissed. It wasn't, there wasn't anything or, to it, right? I, I mean, it, it came out uh, like the last two days or so. Almond's got uh, an investment in a chip company that's going to be selling. Absolutely. That, conflict that has, of interest, right? Yeah, that's what you're saying. But, but that's the thing. Like, you can say those things. And none of them were like, all of these things were thrown out. I mean, there was just, this is why there are so many podcasts. Like, I mean, just every day there was speculation, like financial impropriety, personal impropriety, like, but everything was dismissed. There was no evidence of any of this. So, you know, it just kind of came back to, and then ultimately when the board was like asked, right, they chose not to give any statement. They chose to get not to give any definitive reason other than they felt like Sam had too much control, which the entire thing kind of shows that, well, that was your concern. Now he has even more control, right? So there's like an inadvertent thing. It's like, you were Thanks worried. Thanks for not saving us from the AI. Right. You were worried about it. And so you made this move. And so I think this kind of devolves into just the classic succession kind of style power struggle. It's just power. It's just sort of like, we have an opinion, you have an opinion. 
we think maybe you have too much power. We want to oust you before you get too powerful and you oust us. And so, um, so that was like, to me, that was all act one. I don't know, coach. Does that set the scene? Does that make yeah, sense? I, I, I like, you know, I hadn't, well, I hadn't really thought about it th- th- uh, this much, but like it is, it is, uh, uh, it is fun, interesting, remarkable that like no one really knows what they were fighting about. Yeah. Like, and, and so really all of the interests and, you know, here we are being interested. Sure. All, all, all the interest is just in the, uh, the, the actual fighting, not really what the topic is, which, you know, that always, I, I don't really read the real world news anymore. Cause like, you know, any day I could probably tell you what was happening, even though I haven't read it for many years, but it seems like, uh, like, like also in the coverage of like, most real world stuff, they very rarely describe what people are fighting about. It's just like what happened and what was the last thing. But it's, it's not sort of like a discussion of why anyone would do this. It's just ongoing, which uh, which is kind of odd because as 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 Matt Ray and you were doing, you can catalog all these possible things. But it is uh, those things are like equally as as like uh, uh, speculative of like people freaking out about AI, like. Everyone's freaked out about it, but you know, there's no one who's like, and here is evidence of something terrible that's going to happen. It just could happen. Ooh. Like, I think that's so, what, to me, like, that's what drives the story, right? And that's what makes yes, it the exciting. mystery. And so, and the reason the story kept going, and I think this is like the second act gets even more exciting. It's like, well, normally you'd be like, the board fired this person, they're out, mm-hmm. you know, new leadership is here. Uh, you know, the end, right? Like we've seen that story like a million times. Now, act two is interesting because Sam rallies the support of the troops, right? This uh, was in the form of like kind of this like weird Twitter campaign upon which most of the open AI employees tweeted support for him. I think it was a blue heart emoji they used saying oh. like, you know, we believe in Sam. Sam is the way uh, we have to have him in there. And then there was a letter that went out and this is like the real, like if we were like writing the movie, we'd be like, well, maybe this, this wouldn't really happen in real life, but it did happen in real life. <laughs> the person that ousted him, the the third vote, the swing vote, Ilya reverses his position less than 48 hours later. And he signs the letter asking him to be reinstated, which is like, I mean, like no one would believe that if you're in the book, it's like, you know, the idea that the, the, if you will, the enemy or the, the, the evil person or however you want to believe the story would immediately reverse themselves. It's like, it's too crazy to believe, but sure enough. And you can go to Twitter and you can go see this. So to me, that's where the story really started to take off of just like how absurd it is, right? Here you have one of the leading scientists uh, in artificial intelligence, obviously very intelligent, um, reversing himself in a pivotal decision about a company's future, Less, I think it was even, I don't know, maybe it was 24, 48 hours after making the decision, which is, I don't know, it's just simultaneously completely nuts and very open-minded, I guess, right? Because you could also be like, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't realize um, that I was going to set off a chain reaction that could potentially jeopardize the entire project. Uh, so maybe that's like, what is it like a strong opinions loosely held? Maybe that's the best example of this is like, whoop, <laughs> I had, I had this idea. Be and I was completely wrong, but I just think it's almost absurd. Like I would sell, I'd be like, you don't have to be a genius to be like, you should have maybe thought through your decision more before, you know, reversing yourself 48 hours into it. So that is crazy. And then I think act two sort of uh, uh, the culmination comes uh, when Microsoft just kind of issues this like 
vague but wide-ranging press release that they've hired Sam and Greg Brockman to basically lead an entire new division of Microsoft. And for the most part, they said anyone that wanted to come from OpenAI was welcome to come. And all of this was under pressure that they had to have this announcement out by Monday morning because they didn't want to go into the trading day with this sort of like weird, um, you know, gray cloud hanging over them. So it's like, where on earth can a court, like, just imagine how, like, just take everyone's uh, normal experience of like maybe filing an expense report that has some, just a slightly unusual expense in it. Just imagine how much due diligence goes into like that, right? Now imagine like over the weekend, hiring 700 of some of the most expensive employees in the world just at the stroke of a pen. So that's essentially what how what happened. And so that sort of ends with like, well, looks like everyone's going to go to Microsoft. It's an, a, a mass migration, yeah. if you will. And everyone's sort of thinking that Microsoft has like won this. They've somehow acquired all of OpenAI by not paying. I them. mean, the cheapest, you know, the cheapest acquisition of an $84 billion company ever. Right. So right. it's like Satya Nadella, greatest uh, M&A person of all time. He's a genius. He goes on this weird media tour, which is also funny. Like he's actually oh, yeah. releases. And like some of the initial questions are like, so Sam's part of the team. And he's like, well, not. I mean, he is, but we haven't signed anything yet. So that was the part that was interesting. It was just sort of like it was all just vaporware. It was all just I, a, a press release, which is yeah. like. That's, I mean, that, that's its own lesson right there. Like never talk about anything until it's signed. Yeah. I so, mean, that's just like 101. Well, I think in this case, they did it knowing that like, hey, we don't, we want the stock market to believe that open AI. You know, the stock market will come back. What's a day, right? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I, that you know, let the ink dry or, or, or let the ink get put on the paper, right? So I don't know. This is where we may almost need like Matt Levine is insider trading when you just put a, like, I don't know, everything is insider training. Maybe that's a, a podcast for another day. So that's sort of like is act two. And someone in the chat here is, is pointing out that like, Maybe much of the support from the employees, because like I think a lot of employees like where they work. They probably like do like the CEO in some cases, but a lot of people probably don't have a strong opinion about their CEO where they work, right? Maybe if they were fired, they'd just be like, sorry to hear that and move on. But they did say, like, you know, um, they that OpenAI had this huge, if you will, secondary offering upon which many of the employees were gonna be able to sell their shares and probably make tons of money. So Maybe behind the scenes here is the employees are just acting in their own self-interest. Like, hey, yes, sure, we believe in Sam, but we really believe in the secondary offering more than anything. And we don't we don't want that to go away. So there was some motivation to kind of keep uh, him in the fold. So that sort of, if you will, takes us through like, I don't know, the Monday night, Tuesday of when this is happening. And so now everyone's going to Microsoft, right? And then finally, as we kind of wrap the story up, is sort of like, well, it seems like it comes out that Sam doesn't necessarily want to work there. Many of the open AI people don't want to go there. The funniest thing I, I read and saw was like that they had set up some makeshift space in the LinkedIn building of somewhere in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they were worried that the open AI team didn't want to use the Windows PC. So they bought a bunch of Macs. So there was like this weird space that was being assembled for them to come work at. But what ultimately happens is Sam, I guess, has a bunch of different meetings. He gets, if you will, a few of the board members, but not everything he wants. So it basically ends with two board members leaving the company, um, two more coming on, and then an agreement that there will be an investigation of why he was ousted. And it seemed to like come to a head around when the new 
CEO, who was, I guess, CEO of the company for a minute, which I guess I should throw in here. The former, I guess, founder of Twitch somehow was named the CEO of OpenAI for like, I, I, I don't I know. I hope he got a payout. I, yes. I hope his, his you know, 24 hours of glory <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, well, now he owns 1% of OpenAI. He is, he's like, <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's like, you're like, you know what? This movie needs one more cameo. You're like, can we get De Niro in for a day? Just yeah. for a day. We just well, need two hours. Okay, a little right? the, I'm thinking more of a Matt Damon, but sure. Yeah, maybe a Matt Damon. We need a Matt Damon in here. We need a Damon in here. For He's like the king of cameos, right? And we need that. We need him. We need to come in. We need him to be the CEO and we need him just to say a lot of obvious things, right? So it seemed like it kind of came to a head when the new CEO was like, okay. He's like, okay, board, like, I got it. I'm putting the company together. Uh, why did we oust the last CEO? And the board was like, we can't tell you. We just, we can't, we, we consulted <laughs> with our legal team and the so legal just, team said, but, but, and then they're like, just don't cross the line. You're like, what line? What line did it cross? And like, don't cross it. Don't cross it. And then, so then that new CEO threatens to resign, right? Which is like, you're like, I don't even know if you work hmm. here yet. Like you haven't even gotten onboarded yet. So <laughs> apparently um, he didn't sign the paper either. Right. So it's like, what, what you going to do? So, so anyway, so that seemed to be the moment where like the, the board ultimately, Gave, I don't know, gave up. It seems like they basically said, okay, two people are going to leave. We're going to do this investigation. The Twi- Twitch uh, person, you know, I don't know if he was really with the company, he leaves and then Sam is reinstated. So that kind of leaves us with sort of like the end of episode. Wait, wait, wait. One. Wasn't, there, wasn't there somebody from Quora in there too? Yeah, he's still there. That is the oh. one person that maintained. He's he's oh, he okay, okay. in uh, the sequel because he maintained. Okay, I guess gotcha, he's gotcha. signed up for a two movie deal, so he's also he's going to be a carryover. And of course, like you know, we have to also say, like, of course, who's leading the new board? It's the same person that led the board of Twitter that under the um, the process of selling to Elon Musk, which is also funny, right? It's like, well, he was part of the Twitter fiasco, although uh, Twitter, I guess, shareholders came out well. He's now been part of, uh, he's now leading, if you will, the board of OpenAI. So that sort of like brings us to current state. So I just think like mostly this is a great story. It's just a great story of power struggles and fighting and like strong personalities and kind of like weird personalities. And I think it was, I have to say, like I was on break. I was just enjoying uh, some time with the family around the pool. And I listened to like, I must have listened to 25 podcasts about this. Wow. Like, I did not get enough. And I put a bunch of them in here, right? I thought The Verge did a really good job. I like the guys at the New York Times. Uh, I forget the name of their podcast, but it's also in here. And there was like so many emergency podcasts. I couldn't even listen to them all. But really, that's what it just came down to. It was like, this is just a power struggle. Because at the end, especially when you're read down, about some of the reporting around AGI, it seems there is no consensus of like, are we actually close to that now? Are we far away from that or when that is becoming? It's like no one really has a, a, a good estimation of that. So that to me is like always kind of the funny part of all this. It's like, well, most of the time we ended up talking about the personalities and mm-hmm. the palace intrigue because really trying to answer the question around AGI is just like too hard. So yeah, um, there's, that's there's like a story. There, there's as you're getting to, there's not really any uh, substance behind it. Like it's uh, I and I and I think your point about the uh, the the AGI thing or whatever is good because because it, it is. I mean, I was already saying this earlier, but like, yeah, like what's the fuss all about? Like I I think I think I, I don't know if you use it all the time, Matt, but I know Brandon and I do. And after a while, you're just like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know why everyone's so afraid. This thing's pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, I, I think I think my favorite uh, description of it is Cory Doctorow calling it spicy autocomplete. 
yeah and and <laughs> that's and how so i like, feel about it yeah and and it, it even you know it, it even has made me think recently like well i mean i guess they're like super handicapping it or something or or, or um limiting it to use probably a, a, be- a better word like uh you know like like uh, uh google released some new version of their ai thing and and panning back a little bit after after all this drama right like you do look at google and you're like i thought they were the masters of this stuff and like and almost in the same way that they're always on about borg this and borg that and then you're like is this what it does like it's it seems like there's some i don't know maybe we've built up this big idea of what's going on here just like you know we kind of did with bitcoin and stuff like that that it was going to be this revolutionary thing and then you're like no it's just for hustlers once again like <laughs> well but not, but uh, it's just I mean, selling I, I, tupperware yeah there's there's definitely a there there i mean this is a lot of you know we, we've talked about this before a lot of busy work a lot of just you know oh, sure sure uh, i mean there's a lot of there's a lot that can be done with this but it's still it's still just as questionable you, as humans you know, but, it's or, or it's it's all it's it's reminds me of uh, I can never remember the name of this book, but you know, in the late two thousands, there was this big idea of like what was the word for it? Maybe y'all remember. It was like you know, business process transformation, like BPM, I think, business process management, and it was like it was like if you took the ideas of of soap and web services and you just kind of extended them into this imaginary future. You would just have like computers transacting with each other yeah. on the supply chain. And like, I think you even probably, I mean, you pro- probably did some of that stuff back in your retail days, right? Just like, I, I, and, and I think all it amounted to was like, you had this old format that you would send to your suppliers to like ship more toilet paper uh, and things like that called EDI, which was probably one of these like, you know, 80s formats that involved like octets or some bullshit. And, and like, it was just like, oh yeah, we're going to convert that to XML. And that's it. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, that 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 does feel like the gist of most like you know revolutionary changes is somebody's like, oh, now I have to write the JSON in a different way. Yeah, so- and and, <laughs> and it, it's not to to the the point you keep saying, Matt Ray. It's not that like there is something. There's a reason why Brandon and I use it every day. It is great, but it's not like it's not like let's really do some crazy shit over the Thanksgiving break. Great. But, like, but, but, like but, I, but I would also, have to imagine, like, it seems, it feels like a lot of those people would be like, I don't know, man, I got some leftover Turkey sandwiches. I got to eat. But maybe that's I'm a good out. place to just kind of like, to kind of like, if you will, let's, let's close out the open eye from the week and just say, it's like, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, the things going forward, the sequel, as I, I like to call it, it's going to be like, we should all wait to see what is this investigation find. And probably the stuff that's come out enough here is that will the board actually ever state specifically what no, they what there is? Right. It is that's totally. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I'm just like these are just setting up for season two. These are the questions: Do they do that? What does the inv- investigation turn out? Do we believe it's a le- legitimate uh, investigation? Do they ultimately change the nonprofit structure? Right, and then you know, I think probably the biggest thing is sort of like following Sam as our lead character. It's it's sort of like, because people have started to come out and start to say, it's like, well, there are potential conflicts of interest. And Sam also has been ousted from his role as the YC, Y Combinator, like leader. And it's like, is, does something actually come out of that? Right. So that's sort of like, mm. if you will, we'll just kind of leave that there. That's what we're working on an open eye. But then where you guys were going, and I thought there was a great article that summarized this around, well, like, why do why does everyone really care? And there's a great New York Times article. It's called "Inside the AI Arms Race," 
uh, that changed Silicon Valley forever. And they do a great job of going company by company and kind of outlining why is everyone, to your point, Cote, like sort of like freaking out about this. And so you can kind of go back and I think that I won't, you know, won't try to reread the entire article to you, but I'll just kind of say it's like ultimately what triggered all of this was Microsoft was really to actually go back was really chat GPT 3.5 launching. And there's a bunch of great quotes in here. Um, but really what the main thing is that no one uh, expected the, if you will, um, that interface to take off. The, the guesses was like, oh, maybe a few thousand people would use it. Right. And it's like, the fact when it was released and the adoption of that is what sort of triggered everything, right? And so it's up to basically around 100 million um, you know, active users of some kind. And then when Microsoft, if you will, partnered with OpenAI, that seemed to be the moment where every company, and when I say every company, I mean the big tech companies being Google, Amazon, and Meta all felt compelled to start doing something, right? And I think this is like, you know, because I think we're all kind of students of, you know, various business books, whether we like it or not. But I think we all, many of us came of age. And I think many of these leaders came of age when like Innovator's Dilemma was really popular, Crossing the Chasm was really popular. So it's almost like all the leaders of today have sort of been trained and, and if you will, are on the, the lookout, you know, only the paranoid survive. Like all of these ideas that, that I would say kind of came to fruition, they've been around for a while, but were really popular in the late nineties, early aughts, right? Um, And I think that's what you're seeing here is like all of these leaders are so afraid that they're going to be, if you will, the, uh, the steam was, what was it? Like the steam, um, can't remember what the example was in Innovator Slumber. It was like the the steam something. Mini steel steel mills. Steel mills, right? They're all afraid they're going to be that, that they all leap into action immediately, right? And it reminds me a little bit in our world, this is a little bit of the whole container orchestration kind of thing, right? I feel like this happened a lot around that. It was like, oh, container orchestration looks like it's going to be big. Everyone's got to have some solution. And we've kind of generally agreed we're on Kubernetes and no one has been a big winner, um, like, you know, in the previous generation with VMware. So that's really what's going on. I think all these leaders are so worried about that. That's why you see them, if you will, jumping to do things. And so, and so with that angle, the worry is just like uh, messing up their business, like stealing their money, right? Yeah, and I think that's what that's this article does a good job. It's sort of like, it seems consensus is that Google has had something like this for a while. But all the reporting is that Google was very worried about releasing it. And it makes sense. Like if you have a, I don't know, a one to two trillion dollar company, right? The risk is so high that if you do something wrong, that either you jeopardize your brand to continue to deliver search, or maybe you inadvertently make search a less, a lot less valuable. So it seems like Google has been sitting on this for a long time, right? And they don't really, they didn't really want to do anything or weren't sure they were going to do it. And of course they would say safety, right? They were very worried about the safety of it. But then Microsoft who is less, if you will, in the way of, you know, a business that is directly related to this um, is what really triggered it. When they, if you will, went head to head and said, we're going to put this in Bing and we're going, that's the moment where Google felt like it had to do something. Right. And it's simultaneously um, there's a lot of good quotes in here that Mark Zuckerberg uh, of Meta is basically getting a lot of advice from his people that if we don't do something um, that, you know, it's very possible that Instagram and Facebook, right. You know, people won't need them anymore. Now, is that really true? I don't know, but that's where meta gets involved. And if you look at the 
purchasing of GPUs by capacity, I was shocked. Meta is as, as high as anyone, right? Yeah. And, and you see this, they go in here and say that Microsoft did a, an order for $2 billion worth of, you know, GPUs. So like whatever that, you know, however many thousands of GPUs that is. So, but your, your point is to your point, Kote, it's like all of these, you know, large CEOs are very concerned that they're about to miss the next trillion dollar opportunity. And that's why everyone immediately is, is doing something in this area. Like, like I can see the, the Google concern, uh, which, which is like, if with a little bit of modifications of how modification, a little bit of changes to how, how the interface, you could totally use it instead of, uh, instead of Google. I mean, even every now and then I go to that, that search engine Coggy and uh, <laughs> like, it feels better. Like Google's just like, it's turned into like, you know, I don't know, it's like, like the, the, the Yahoo and GeoCities and it's just, it's just bedecked with a bunch of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so like, it feels like their problem is pretty basic, which is like, if you know there's an alternative, then you realize how crappy it is. If you don't know there's an alternative, let alone it being there, then you're just like, oh, this is the way things are, right? It's the mm-hmm. old, you know, I don't know, something well, a fish hey, doesn't know. And, it's that, water and that's where they have the licensing deals with Apple and others to be exclusive. Right, right, right. right. And And then so like, it makes sense that they would be freaked out. And yet... Like it's, it's like, but they have this technology and like, I don't know, just put ads in the response, but (laughs) (laughs) like, like you could, you can put ads anywhere as they've proven. So it does seem like, it does seem like a figural, figurable, outable thing, but to the point of like being steeped in like the, uh, uh, in, in, in like the innovators dilemma. And then also like the, the kind of follow on evolution of that type of thinking, like, I guess, one conclusion you could have from the innovator's dilemma is to use your, your star Wars metaphor again, is just like destroy everyone else. (laughs) Right. Like, like if you hunt down the, uh, the, uh, the, the little Jedi children and make sure they don't become Jedis, you don't have a problem. Right. Like you, you just like, you take care of all that and there's no disruption possible, but it does seem like they should something they could do. And then for Microsoft, you lay out the case. Well, like I think Microsoft figured out like, I mean, anytime Microsoft can be like, hey, time to renew office, they win. And so I think there's an obvious, like, we'll see over the next year or so, like, how good all their co-pilot stuff is. But it'll probably be great, like a great addition to how to do stuff. So that makes sense. But the one that I'm always confused about is the old the old Facebook. Like, because it feels like what Facebook does is it gets however many billion users they have to give them free content that then they give back to those users. And so like, if you used AI to generate that content, I don't think that's what all those people are there for. Like they don't want like theoretic pictures of their new niece (laughs) or like, you know, uh, a fanciful description of like a T-ball game that happened with their grandson. They want like the actual thing. And so maybe there's like, I could see that they want some AI stuff for like algorithms and maybe helping advertisers like create ads or something. But like, it's hard for me to imagine beyond again, like algorithmic stuff, like what they would want with AI, unless it's for the metaverse stuff. But like, we all know that's in the toilet. Well, there's I a good quote. I think maybe we, sometimes we should think of just these, you know, it's hard sometimes I think to see you know, these people as just normal people, right? So 
So if you're Zuckerberg, like here's here's um here's the advice he was getting, right? Here's the quote. So his AI guru, is, I think it's Lacan, is how it's pronounced. So Lacan delivered a warning to Mr. Zuckerberg. He said Meta should match OpenAI's technology and also push forward with work on an AI assistant that could do stuff on the internet on your behalf. Websites like Facebook and Instagram could become extinct, he warned. AI was the future. So he's just like, I mean, in some ways, super smart running the company, but this is the advice he's getting from his top advisors. Like, sure, we don't do something, you know, this entire Facebook, Instagram thing can go away. And I think this is follows a pattern of Zuckerberg to his credit, you know, at least business strategy wise. I think he is always on the lookout for the next big things and wants to make sure that they're part of it, not, if you will, relegated by it. So buying Instagram, buying WhatsApp, um, those were pretty big hits. The meta stuff seems like Oculus, if it's going to happen, it hasn't happened yet. seems like that's sort of passing. So I think, you know, I think he's just someone taking in advice from what he considers yeah, yeah. equal. I, and it probably feels compelled to do something. I mean, I guess, I guess you could, you could imagine or imagine you're up a situation, you know, you could use the old her movie where it's like, well, if people stop treating this like, you know, watching TV, which is kind of, you know, it's it's like a share of time. Like I could watch TV or I could just go check out the T-ball stuff. Like it's sort of like th- there's a certain budget of time people have and like they're allocating this amount to Facebook. And if they instead allocated that amount to like hanging out with an AI thing, then I guess that kind of like steals money from Facebook, right? So like they, Facebook has to make sure that the amount of time that each user, there's probably a name for that, like spins in Facebook remains constant and also grows, right? Because how many more people are you going to get on Facebook? It's probably like a, an insurance company at this point. The insurance company is like, I, I've insured all the houses. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> uh, and, and so like now they've got to make sure not to lose it and then come up with new products uh, or buy ones like Instagram that like also have time. So sure. Like, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's a little bit of what I was saying is like, if you're number one in your area, a good strategy is to destroy everything else. Right. And, and I do and think to your sure point though, I kind of feel like, I mean, if we kind of rank them, it does feel like Google and Meta, they, I would see why they perceive it as an existential threat, right? It's sort of like if there is a stunning new consumer application that people start to use for search or they use yeah. instead of, in lieu of social media, right? Then those companies are going to ha- have huge penalties. Whereas Microsoft and Amazon, you know, they have other very large businesses that are kind of separate. You know, Amazon, obviously, yeah, e-commerce and, and Microsoft with, you know, all of its enterprise portfolio software products, uh, Windows and Office being kind of the, the linchpins there. So, so it, it kind of makes sense. And I think, you know, uh, I think where you're going, Cote, is like one of the things in this final quote in this article, kind of the kicker was great. And I think maybe all of this discussion comes down to this one thing. And it's by this uh, Dr. Hinton. I guess he's sort of considered the father of AI, been doing this for a long time. And he's the one that ultimately resigned. That's sort of like, sort of like retired, resigned, kind of wanted to get out of it. And his final quote is, uh, if you think of Google as a company whose aim is to make profits, um, they, they can't just let Bing take over from Google search. They've got to compete with that. When Microsoft decided to release a chatbot as their interface for, uh, for Bing, that was the end of the holiday period, right? And I think that sort of kind of sums it up. It's sort of like, we had all this stuff. It was sitting around in the lab. OpenAI releases it, shows that like there's incredible customer demand that no one predicted, and that has sort of set off the race. And I think that's why you see Facebook and Google mm. investing so much with AWS and others sort of like 
slowly kind of trying to catch up. And, but I think in the end, you know, I think, I think we were talking on Slack or something, or I was talking with somebody and it was just sort of like, you know, it was that famous quote, like what's, what's the answer to the question? Well, all the answers, uh, it's about money. Right. And in the end, this feels like that's what this comes down to. It's just like huge franchises, trillion dollar companies that want to continue to lead in their respective areas very concerned about what this is going to do. And we're going to see this play out over the next several years. Like, is it a real thing? But like none of these companies want to be blindsided by it and miss out on that. Uh, yeah. And I, and I, I could, I can, you know, I can, I can see now why you're interested in the, the innovators dilemma stuff. Cause there's a, maybe, maybe there's also an interesting application here of aside from Microsoft it's too far back in history to call like their whole DOS thing, like just stumbling into something. But like most of these social companies just sort of like stumbled into their massive success. Mm -hmm. And they also saw all of their peers stumble in the wrong way. Like, you know, try things out and not work out. So if you are being only like 10, 15% sort of like, not honest, that's a stupid word to say, but just sort of like, lucid about about how you became kind of like the the leader of these big empires you would be like well it was really lucky and i kind of don't know why it happened like <laughs> well it it's yes. just like we ended up being the the ones that like got winnowed out of these other ones and we came out of nowhere and like did all this stuff so like even though i have no idea what this ai thing is going to be because it became whatever phrase the largest growing thing like it's something i need to figure out and worry about and then also as you were bringing up brandon it's like i'm sure someone was like did you know that uh, kodak invented the digital camera and they just sat on it and did nothing with it like if they had just thought over a long lunch what to do with it maybe uh, they would have survived and now look at them they're uh they're like they're basically uh, T-shirts on Instagram. And I think, you Wait. know, to your, to your point there, like I want to just add on to your thing about like, there's always this element of luck. And I think when people are honest about it, like, oh, we just got lucky. But I think the people that live through that, they will also remember the times of like, you know, we tried to sell, we knew this Google search was going to be huge. And we tried to sell that yacht to Yahoo and they passed on it, right? And there's numerous other examples of that. So I think they all kind of have that. that it's So it's both understanding the luck and also remembering about, all the times that people passed on something, right? Yeah. And they were in the room. They're like, I can't believe these people didn't see it, right? They should have saw it and they didn't see it. So I think they all kind of look at it like, I don't want to be the person sitting in here and not see it. I don't want someone to bring, that's your thing about Facebook. Like, I don't think, I think Mark Zuckerberg really worries. Like, I don't want to be the one sitting here where yeah. 10 years I mean, from now, there's going to be a quote that I went to Zuckerberg and I told him this was important and he didn't do anything. I think, I think that to them, uh, to like leaders at this level is more concerning than wasting a billion dollars at this point. Ab ahead, absolutely. I mean, this is like, it, it's speculative insurance. It, it's, they know that they know something's going to happen here and they don't know what it is, but they're sitting on a big enough pile of money that they can invest in a very large insurance policy. So they've got the in-house expertise. They've got, they're paying a lot of smart people to like protect them from, what could be so you know from the outside we're like facebook what are you doing right uh but the problem is like they probably already spent a boatload of money on on gpus with all their meta metaverse <laughs> stuff anyway so you know they're sitting on that and no, they needed to repurpose a lot of smart engineers who wasted time on that and so they've probably got like this you know big lab of of, of folks who are you know blue sky and ideas for what to do with this but at least they're thinking about it and you know they're sitting on such a huge you know cash pile of cash that they can 
they can make this investment safely. You know, it's not like they're they're on thin margins. It's not like, you know, if you showed me that list of who's buying GPUs and I saw like HPE on the list, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, one of these is not like the others, right? Um, so, you know, they, they can do what they want. Um, Google, they have a an existential threat to their, their money fountain. Um, Microsoft has a tactical advantage. Like they actually know what they're going to do with this and it's coherent. Um, you know, and I totally expect to see like, you know, Apple to start slipping in a lot of stuff and it just becomes like Siri plus plus plus. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. That's the one company that left out of this and Apple's just whatever. Yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, you left out Apple. And then I was like, yeah, but Apple knows what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, right? they feel at least, at least when they reveal it, you'd be like, yeah, that's what everyone expected. It just works. Well, I think the one thing we can say, I guess this is sort of like art, like if you will, the software defined talk consulting, uh, we'll, we'll now begin charging for the podcast for this section. So, uh, I'll just uh, say it's like if, and this is just pure VC pattern matching, kind of like tech analyst pattern matching, maybe some of your old job good days. It's like, you know, everyone's read these books and everybody knows about this, but the reason this problem is hard is that like you just can't see what's coming next. And so the fact that everyone's chasing this chatbot thing and all of the major clouds, you know, GCP, uh, Microsoft, AWS have are all releasing very similar features like foundation mm-hmm. models, three tiers, you can buy it. The fact that everyone's sort of consolidating around that just means to me, it's like, it is very possible that the thing that is going to be really valuable out of this for this is going to come out of left field, either hasn't been invented right now or is so overlooked and trivialized that none of us can possibly see it. Because that's sort of like the history of technology is like a lot of, that's your thing about IBM. It's not like IBM didn't think their personal computer was a good idea. They're like, this is a good idea. It's just not going to be that big, right? And they just completely underestimated it, opening the door for Microsoft. So it's very possible. And it's almost like, it's almost like if we were sports betting, it's like, do you want to take uh, Facebook, Microsoft, uh, or um, Google, to win this or do you want to take the field just the field of unknown companies doing unknown Ooh. things like i don't know i just feel like in this case the field is probably a really good bet like but, but, yeah but the thing is the field gets co-opted as soon as it shows promise i mean you've got if, if the field was open ai and anthropic you know it's like well the the you know the the big players already stuck their fingers in into those just to make sure they're not left out Hundred percent agree. I think the the idea that you're going, and I think th- this is like it reminds me of our old times in monitoring. It's like, what do monitoring companies like to argue about? They'd like to argue about with like number of collectors and agents and all that stuff. But like everyone competes there, so it becomes very a parity very quickly. Just like I think all these AI models, everyone has a LLM, everyone's building a new one, everyone's buying GPUs. So at some point, they're just going to be very very similar. What someone hasn't figured out is like some new interaction that we all kind of want to do that has some kind of interesting way of doing it that will create a big brand and draw a big audience and actually have some brand loyalty to it. Right. Like, so the the example could be Facebook or Google, like there's plenty of web searches, there's plenty of social sites, but at some point those brands and those products became so big, it's kind of impossible to take them down. And I don't, I just leave the door open that like, I don't know what it was. If I did, I would build it myself. But like this new thing can emerge 
And it's going to be very hard to like, if you will, watch all the flanks, right? It's very likely something will come out of nowhere and it will, in, in retrospect, it'll seem obvious. And all this time people spent arguing about who's going to build the biggest LLM, we may look at back and be like, ah, oh, that's kind of funny. We did that. Turns out none of that was that, that important. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. I, you know, I could see that if, if, uh, you know, I don't really read Facebook, but if you had it go write a daily summary of what happened in your feed and email that to you, that would be pretty cool. So you don't have to log in. And look well, at yeah. It. I mean, that, that's the thing. Everything about Facebook is speculative because they're like, what would we give the AI access to this stuff? You know, well, yeah. oh, the AI acts on your behalf. And it's like, sure, you've got some, you know, agent acting on your behalf, which means you don't end up going to their properties, but how did the pro the content get to the, you know, to where they're scraping from? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I still think yeah, it's I mean, speculative. We've been kind of dancing around and talking about it a little bit. You know, I've certainly, you know, man, a couple episodes, we talked about like this idea of like, well, what do people want? Do people want all these different, like, do I want a, a store of like a bunch of different LLM and foundation models? Mm -hmm. No, but like if someone sort of came out with something that's like, it turns out that you have this assistant thing and you know what, if it just kind of follows you around, if you give it access to it, it starts to do all this stuff for you, right? It does start to, if you will, schedule yeah. appointments and takes care of some productivity stuff. And really, it mines the social graph you give it to tell you things that you think are interesting. Like you can kind of just envision of like, no, no, I just want that. And then if you will, people start to say like, well, that one thing is really the best thing. And the way that they've integrated it, maybe it's Apple, maybe it's somewhere. The way they've integrated it into your life, so it's sort of like, if you will, not evasive, but behind the scenes, like that's like kind of the trillion dollar opportunity that's sure. out there, right? And I think- Maybe someone figures that out. But like right now, just everyone firing another LLM, like I, another announcement, like we just saw today, like Google unveils Gemini and it's like Gemini comes in three sizes. You know, it's just the same old stuff. It's like nano, pro, ultra. I mean, it reads almost like an Apple announcement. And you're just like, I don't think we need it anymore. Like I'm all out of, no, I'm no. all on LLMs at this point. I mean, we're 50 deep in LLMs and I don't even know what to do with the, the ones that I have access to. So I don't know. I think that's what people should probably be. That'll be the fun part to like uh, worry about or watch. And then of course, that'll make great podcast contact for the next three years. So I yeah. really appreciate all of this for, for the podcast going forward. I, I think I think you you you've you've uh, you've sorted it out in my head. You've ins installed the idea in my head, my head, Brandon. Which is like to summarize it in my way is <clears throat> there's the potential of like a, a new user interface into the internet that could replace the other ones out there, right? Whether you want to call yeah. it an agent or a whatever. And anytime that happens, this is like my I don't since I'm not in the consumer tech business, I'm kind of like, I don't think about this kind of stuff, but like, that's basically what all the consumer tech companies have is they are like a default interface that you go to, to do your stuff, which is slightly different than, I mean, you end up spending time there, but like not necessarily, it just means that you go to it. It's like mm -hmm. your default thing. And so like, if there's any, even if you don't know how, if there's some vague threat that that's going to be changed, you get freaked out about it because you know that like people can just decide to, as we used to say, turn the channel. It's really hard for them to turn the channel, but you know that it's mechanically possible. And so you almost have this, like, it's probably one of those things that you don't really say out loud very much, but you're like, wow, we're just, uh, we're making this billions of dollars just based on people not changing the channel. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. we better freak out about that. So even if it turns out to be nothing, you you learn over the the every you know the five or ten year what's what's a five year period called is that a centade 
uh, whatever. <laughs> but like you learn over like five and 10 year chunks of just like, if you have the money, anytime something like this happens, you just dump a lot into it in case something happens, even well, if nothing does happen. Just I, like, just like with, uh, with the iPhone, like, was that the last one? That was probably the last big interface change that really screwed a lot of people over. It's just like, who knew? And now, I mean, I think that's why Apple kind of doesn't do much here. Is they're like, whoever wins, you're still going to do it on an iPhone. So well, whatever. I, I, I think the real the real takeaway is the default lifestyle is going to win out. And so right. everyone wants to be the default, right? And so that's why I'm like, I'm pretty confident Apple will show up in this with something compelling because, you know, that's what they've always done. Yeah. Um, and they will position themselves to be the default. Microsoft, you know, they're very familiar with, you know, embedding themselves in everything, at least at the, at the enterprise level. And, you know, they have a strong story there. Google feels threatened, right? Because, you know, they, they've got this Android thing that, you know, it's 80%, 90% of the market or whatever, but um, it still feels tenuous, you know, because whatever reasons, you know, there, there are, you know, fears. And then Facebook feels like they're the ones on the outside looking in, right? They don't have something that everyone's anchored into. You know, a social network is not an anchor the way a phone is, a desktop is, a, you know, um, you know, your, your job is. And so that's, that's the fear. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, we'll see. Part two. What, what part two, I think, I think, you know, using your Star Wars thing, I think, I think what we need in part two is like, you've got to figure out why these people are fighting because you never really, that's never really done in a convincing way in Star Wars. It's just like, they're just fighting because this one side rebel's going to rebel. Yeah. But there's, there's not really like a basis for it. Uh, which I guess is not really in in, in or maybe but like maybe the deeper like if if this was a book if we were like analyzing like a written literature we'd say like well what is the real motivation here it's like you know is it AGI and safety or is it just money right and I think right now, you know what I mean like that's well, kind of like that's this weird yeah. tenuous like they're linked but only you know what I mean but very loosely. And I think well, that's, that's, that's the thing that it's like they they get all up on their their high horses about oh you know this is gonna this path leads to doom and you know this path leads to salvation it's like and but at the same time both sides are just turn around and sell it to the general public and you know the general business public who have less time for this you know white ivory tower scruples they're just gonna be like look turns out I can generate you know a thousand x times the spam with even you know better uptick upclick rates you know that's what's going to happen with this is this is like this is like you know arms dealers like oh i have to worry is this you know is this going to be used for bad or evil but at the same time i'm just going to sell it to everybody mm. yeah, yeah. No, i think yeah. that's the thing and i do I think, think both sides are going to do the same thing yeah and the underlying um and you know and, and we've seen this game played a million different t- times it's like so obviously there's like this threat of regulation so everyone's like you know in sports it's like work the refs so it's like everyone's working to regulators in a way they think sort of if you will uh provide some an an advantage certainly all the incumbents like want regulation because that's hard to deal with it makes it harder for people and then people that are just like we should just do anything it's like they don't want it so you're seeing that normal uh thing play out and then of course like underlying all of this is like the hard problem that we that no one really knows it's like as llms progress like do they lead to AGI? 
And it's like, I don't think anyone knows, right? So it's like, it could just be, you know, Matt, you you talked about a couple episodes, you did some research in AI, like way back in the day, right? And you're just like, well, that stuff sort of like isn't relevant anymore. And it's like, we just may get to the point, LLMs may just be like a cul-de-sac. It's like, they're really cool. Like to people say, it's like, they are great co-pilots, duets, Amazon Q kind of things to have on your computer. And that's, that's great, but it doesn't go beyond that, right? Or it may be the bridge to like, the next big thing, but no one really knows that. And I think anyone that says they do is, is really just, you know, lying to themselves. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the, you know, the positive light here is I think all of us uh, consumers will benefit greatly from it because you'll have, if, if uh, you'll have all these companies just constantly making things free and battling and, and, and doing it. And we can just kind of sit around and use all the free shit. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> uh, like, like an instance of open source where it's just like, yeah, well, all these people are squabbling. I got this web server I can run. So keep fighting, and and I'll I'll keep just collect all the stuff. Like, yep. it, it, that'll keep be. playing well, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, uh, when the AGI comes about, Brandon, I'll ask it this question. But because it's not here yet, do we have any bureaucracy this episode? Uh, we don't really. I, other than just to say, I hope everyone had a nice uh, Thanksgiving and uh, is headed into the holiday season. And what makes a great stocking st- uh, stuffer a stickers? That's what you, that's what everyone needs. So uh, you should send me an email to uh, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Uh, just send me your postal address. Let me know how many stickers you need, how many children you have, how many pets you have how many uh, Yeti uh, tumblers you got. Like, you know, you need to, to mark everything. So just send me an email. I'll be happy to, uh, you know, up the shipping. Make sure you have plenty of stickers for your uh, stocking stuffers. Well, my, my only uh, pseudo bureaucracy is that you should subscribe to my newsletter at newsletter.cote.io. I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's great. I should know because I write it. So uh, I, I read through it at least one time as I'm writing it. Does that count if you read it when you're writing it? I feel like it does. That seems like a lot of work. Well, as homework for the listeners, what you should, you should do, what I've done with, with with Cote as well as other newsletters, I like to take the newsletters and cut and paste them into ChatGPT, into Bing, uh, as well as, well, I guess Bing is the same, and then uh, uh, Bard, the new Google one, and then have them summarize it. Because I always think it's fun to see like, how how the writing is summarized by the different AI uh, bots, which is I think I think that that thing. would be a good premium service to provide for this podcast. My newsletter is just like you can subscribe for a lightly edited, uh, you know, LLM. Maybe you're summary. the one to do it, Kote. I think you should include maybe like yeah. a four sentence summary of your newsletter written by the AI in the newsletter. That would oh, be the I've, most meta thing you could possibly do. I've thought about it many times. TLDR. Here's the four things. Yeah, or the four yeah. paragraphs or four uh, sentences you need to know about my newsletter. I like yeah, that. yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. Well, there's only a few conferences uh, I, I want to highlight. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, uh, there's that conference over there in Round Rock, January 29th uh, to February 1st. And then also, um, I've been talking with some people at the uh, the Scale Conference, which is, is in LA, and also DevOps Days LA, and that's March 14th to 17th. I don't know if they're selling tickets yet, but uh, that's that's a good conference to check out. Matt and I were there last year. We recorded yep. an episode. It was fun. Maybe maybe I'll make my way out there that this year and uh, record another episode. I think I don't think Matt will be there at the moment. Sadly, but, not this year. But I think I could recruit one of our our friendly uh, people in our community to to co-host there, and I could bring some better audio equipment. I think that is my my homework. You would think. You would think with the vast amount of audio equipment between at least Brandon and I, I know Matt Ray just sort of like 
hooks up a wire to a paper cup. And, and hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you'd think we would have good field recording equipment, but uh, we do. I just need to uh, actually bring it. Uh, well, speaking of good field recording equipment, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this episode? Well, uh, this is not my personal recommendation, but a member of my family um, just started going through a ophthalmology process called orthokeratology, ortho-K. Um, it's hard contact lenses that you wear at night that reshape your eyes to fix your vision. Ah! Yeah, it's like it's like Invisalign for your eyeballs, and it totally works. It's amazing. Um, so, like, you know... Uh, one of my children um, wearing glasses and forgot their glasses very frequently and just, you know, vision was continuing to get worse. And the ophthalmologist was like, well, we've got this process where, you know, you put these contacts in while you sleep and then you take them out and you don't wear anything during the day. And literally day two, she had 20-20 vision. And, what? Yeah. And it, it molds your eyeballs uh, over time um, and, you know, Long term, uh, they stay that way. So um, it's it's not super common. Uh, it was like invented in the 40s or something, right? But um, <laughs> a lot of the research was done in Australia recently, and it's starting to become more popular. So, you know, like Invisalign you had for your, your braces and teeth and stuff, now you've got Ortho-K for your eyeballs. And huh. it works really great for kids, but, um, you know, adults do it as well. I, I feel I feel like this is something I'm going to hear in a podcast, and then the next ad I'm going to hear is going to be for like some some powdered macadamia nuts that will help with oxidizing. <laughs> well, I, I'm just here to say, like you know, it's it's you know, um, its pricing is similar to Invisalign, but uh, you know, long term, it's better for your eyeballs. You're less long term danger if you have really bad vision of like macular degeneration and <sighs> you know, bad uh, corneas and that kind of stuff. Um, so. Check it out. I mean, that sounds great. You know, I got it's kind of amazing. I got these glasses, and the problem is, one, you have to wear them, and they're always so fucking dirty. Like, I can't get these things clean because I don't know. Well, you know, it's not. It doesn't solve every use case, but um, you know, uh, literally the next day, you know, my 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 child's prescription halved, and then like the next week, she went in for an eye test, and it was twenty twenty. Well, hopefully you updated your uh, prescription stuff annually to not have to pay for it. Well, that's the thing. It's like it, just like Invisalign, you, you, they you know they take a lot of photos of your eyeballs and 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 keep reshaping the cornea to to get it you know perfectly aligned. Wow, yeah, well, it's amazing. Speaking of aligning things perfectly, Brandon, what do you recommend this week? Well, one, I just want to say how impressed I am with that last recommendation. As someone has wore hard contacts for decades, and I suffer from keratoconus, a cross uh, a cornea problem, I am for very uh, encouraged to hear that they've uh, figured this out. This almost feels like I need to tell my, like I tell my uh, son for not brushing my teeth. If you don't wear your, uh, your eyeball uh, contacts, you know, you're going to have a uh, bad <laughs> like me, like I did. Well, so, and, and that's the best part is you just sleep in them. You don't actually yeah, no, have to like wear them during the day. Well, I, was, I think I recommended it on here. It's sort of like these scleral lenses, which are specialty hard content lens I got this year, which has been fantastic. But um, that's only for corrective. Gosh, I wish I could go back in time and, you know. Well, you, you can. It's just like once you get older like me or you're like farsighted and nearsighted, it doesn't solve everything. But mm. it's harder. 
Well, wow. we need to now see this. If we get the AI in this problem, you know, cornea disease, oh, it's coming. It's I'm, coming. I'm in. I'm in on that. So, well, um, open AI and all the AIs are here, but the one problem no one has solved is booking uh, meetings, right? And so maybe <laughs> put me as the last to know. It's calendary, that, Brandon. Uh, it's calendary, the same thing. It's not going to ever happen. But like, I, I did not know this. I feel kind of stupid for not knowing this, but like Outlook now has the little thing where you can basically, you know, book with me. It's called booking bookings with me in Outlook. So you can create your own page. And then, you know, uh, I know it's been around for a long time, but I never wanted to do it and like have like integrate with like the third party and things like that. But if I could just go and do it in my Microsoft Outlook, I made my little booking page. So now I can just send it off to people that want to schedule some time with me and they can just click and, and it all works. So, uh, so good. I'm glad Outlook got this. I mean, it's only been like 15, 20 years in the making. I don't know when it was actually announced. I don't know how I would have missed this. Somehow I did. I feel like I would have run across this. So I apologize if it's been out for like 15 years and I'm the first one to do it, but I like it. And, um, if, if nothing else, um, when the AI automates every job, I will be the person that can schedule everyone's meetings because that's going to be the job that will not be automated and I'll be happy to take over that duty. So check out bookings with bookings with me and Outlook if you haven't already set it up. You know, I think, I think that's related to one of my recommendations. I, I have three because two of them are kind of weak. But uh, I, I think I noticed that in Outlook when I was using it. But I, uh, uh, you know, we, we got a, uh, there's another company that bought VMware and they got a whole other email system, which is oh, Gmail. Yeah. So we've, we've, as they say, cut over to using Gmail. And I have to say, it's pretty nice. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I had to use Outlook for a long time. And then like, it's good to be back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Not only did I have to use Outlook, but I had to use the, uh, because I didn't want to, you know, have my personal phone controlled by, uh, by my work. I had to use like their app that was not normal email which is fine but yeah you use you use the gmail and i know you two are going to be like yeah that's that's great but like it just works in your calendar and it just like works in your normal email client and it's also gmail it like works really well so people should use that and i think it's gotten me thinking you know the policies that various companies have about if you can use like if you got to have lockdown email or you, you can just like throw AM, IMAP open or have things there, like they're obviously extremely subjective because you go look at the way po- email clients and policies that companies use of various amounts of freak outedness and like regulatory stuff. And like, it's incredibly different. So it's probably just like the CISOs, you know, ate some bad oysters one day and decide to like lock down your email rather than anything rational i don't know they probably have a hard job my other recommendation is uh descript you know the podcast and video editing thing i use they i've used this new feature that helps you find like little social media clips like uh, we've used opus i think it's called right brandon yeah we and, tried it a couple uh, times yep yeah and descript you know it's pretty good at like it, 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 it you know it lets you edit a transcript to edit videos and podcasts and it finds little social social clips pretty nicely I used it for a few things that to measure if it worked or not, people liked them and there was engagement. Uh, So apparently it was successful. And then finally, I finally did a a video about, uh, we kind of alluded to this uh, or or Matt Ray made a joke about it, playing, playing Dungeons and Dragons in chat GPT. And uh, I've got a little, a little uh, nine minute video going over my experience of doing that in my YouTube channel, if you want to check that out. But I think uh, as I, as I sort of conclude at the end of that, it's worthwhile doing. It works out fine as long as you have good expectations. Well, speaking of things that have worked out fine, 
You've listened to another episode of Software Defined Talk. This has been episode 444. Not quite the sign of the beast, but it's got to be the sign of something. Uh, and if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 444. We've got a whole bunch of links that we didn't really talk about since we focused on one thing. And a lot of those links come from the our own things that we find, but also from the Slack community that we have, uh, which you can also find by going to softwaredefinedtalk.com. If you've listened this far and you're not in the Slack thing, you should join it because you would enjoy it. Or you've left this podcast on and you're not sure how to stop it. In which case, <laughs> sorry. It's almost enjoy, over. Enjoy the next episode. Uh, and with that, bye-bye. Bye. Uh, he, he's already left for school. So He's left for school. The dog's walked, resting back here in the chair. Um, my daughter's out of school for, for summer break. So the, the track ball's lubed. Like, well, what the fuck? That's how it is in school. No one says that's bad. Everyone's everything's got a boo-boo. Well, I assume we're ready to start, right?